With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Recorded live. Welcome to the John and Paul radio show. Brought to you by AdventuresInMinistry.com. Like there at that website online at AdventuresInMinistry.com. Uh, download the app. Over 25,000 people have and are enjoying the songs, the resources, the series, and, of course, the convention, ANCON, here on campus. This is the John and Paul radio show. I am Paul Sperling. One of me, as always, is, for most of the time, always, is John Podine. John, <laughs> what you got? Man, Paul, yeah, I guess I'm here the majority of the time. I can't, I can't you are. think. I, you I can't are. Think you are here the majority of the time. I'm laughing here because I'm, I'm sitting here, my, my iPad's still open. I'm looking at our video, uh, the, the awkward um, um, awkward family <laughs> portrait that we posed for was uh, pretty amazing. So, uh, pretty neat, but, well, uh, you know, we, we try our best to be able to um, enjoy making idiots of ourselves. Yes. Yes, we, we that, 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 that's the most um the the most fun it, we have um, around here is, is is that basically the best way to to describe it? Letting our hair down. It's letting our hair down time. Oh, okay. Then that that's awesome. Yeah, I'm glad we get to let our hair down every once in a while. Yeah, and while okay. I was in the video, I, I'm noticing that my hair is poofy like yours. So that's good. <laughs> I, I toned it to a different direction. I went a different way. I thought. I'm going to poofy it up. And let me tell you this why. Because when I put together that ad for that other show we're doing, um, I noticed that you were taller than me. And I, I thought, <laughs> I don't think John's taller than me. Um, so I looked at it, and I noticed, yep, that's the same hair he's had since uh, high school. So um, so I thought, I'm going to comb my hair to the other side so it poofs up. So now we're the same height in the, in the video. Oh, uh, so that's why. That, that's why. I'm so lame. Hair, huh? It's all about my hair. I'm like, well, Stephanie's looking at you and says, is John taller than me? I'm like, John's not taller than me. She says, oh, he just got the hair. And I'm like, well, he may have that. That's true. John, the hair pro so, uh, Hey, well, there you go. I need a haircut. That's what I need, actually. <laughs> oh, me. Well, and in, in about, what was it? In about 16 minutes, we have 16 views already. So, uh, hey, well, that's pretty good. I, last week, we ended up with what? Close to... Uh, oh, a thousand. Uh, over a thousand views. That is over a thousand views. Nuts. It is. And while we're talking about it, let's go ahead and introduce a couple of of um, internet interactions that the, the world can have with the John and Paul show. Uh, it starts actually. I don't know if you said starts on Monday or starts on Friday, uh, because Monday is before Friday. But um, the party really starts in the week when you look at Friday at, at about nine fifty. Is when we yeah. try to do this. Um, we try to do this, about nine fifty, maybe ten. You know, we may run a little late, no big deal. Uh, and we're calling that the the Friday two minute drill, um, the pre show before the John and Paul show. The pre show, so, uh, so yes, pretty cool, pretty cool. Sort of a summarize of what we're going to discuss here at this time uh, today, and then of course we we, we um, talk about ministry, we talk about resources and things, and then um, and then we have a show, and then. We, of course, we also mention our picks during this show. We get our picks for the week or the big games of the week. And then Monday, John, we're starting something new on Monday. Tell, tell them about that. 
That is actually cool. We're going to spend uh, kind of like Monday morning quarterbacking it here for just a few minutes. We're going to go live because um, we're finding this live thing is, is actually paying off a lot, and we're going to kind of talk about the re, uh, the the weekend that just took place and and uh, maybe some of the things that we've been doing that weekend with ministry, but also what took place in college football and maybe get some previews, what to look forward to, to the show right. coming up that week. That's awesome. Yeah, and that is the Monday morning uh, quarterback minute. Uh, that's with um, John Poda and Paul Sperlin. Of course, as always, brought to you by adventuresinministry.com. So we get to talk to you and see you, or uh, you get to see us, um, Monday mornings, but also Friday mornings and the show on Friday. So um, uh, you know it, that's, we'll a a full network. that's a lot of us. That's a lot of us. It might be a little too much of us. People may legitimately sit back and say, you know, y'all really do have the face for – for um, radio. radio, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I will say we, this. I guess we got to be careful with that, huh? I'm watching the pounds right now because let me tell you right now. After watching that video from last week, um, when I got my name wrong, uh, and I almost was jumping up and down, it was just it was embarrassing. All that I had as part of the mass of Sperlin, and so um, I've decided to start getting back on the weight loss kick. And so um, uh, since that. that by week, I lost about five pounds. So we're going to keep doing this video thing. It, it works a good weight loss um, um, encourager. So, so I'm excited well, about that. Well, maybe, maybe then I'll join you in that because I've been looking at myself and it's kind of, you know, I've been kind of, you know, upset by oh, it. Oh, brother. Bit. Whatever. Yeah. Me, me uh, and I, you make the number 10 and I'm not the number one. You know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> whatever. It's just, it's not cool. It's not cool. Whatever. <laughs> But okay, we'll we'll be watching you, Paul. Yeah, yeah, keep watching that. I already noticed on the video where my face looks a little smaller than it did the week before, and um, and so of course um, all headshots, no belly shots. Um, <laughs> funny. Okay, anyway, yeah, definitely this is the show with no belly shots. I promise you. Um, so um, here's the deal: we have these two shows to go with our, our radio show that's happening right now. Hope you're listening. Um, and probably going to be uh, listening to this at a later date, download this. We get a lot of downloads for our show after the fact, which is fine. Uh, it is a live show as we do this, so you'll find where there's not a whole lot of uh, music or extra things because we want you to be able to call into the show. And so um, to do this, you're listening now, but to call in uh, from 10 to about 11 on Fridays, um, at Central Standard Time in the morning, uh, you call the number, and that's uh, 724 Forward and then um, eleven thirty nine forty pounds and you're in the show and we'll usually bring you on to call in so uh, keep that in mind in the future for that. But today, John, we're going to talk about um, evaluating programs of the church and we got uh, the new app we're going to talk about the sports app for the fans, uh, maybe a little baseball, but definitely some college football. But uh, let's go ahead and get started. Um, how do you know when it's time to say when? You know, when you, you have the, the glass of sweet tea and it seems like someone's pouring and they'll tell you, say when, uh, when you've had enough. You know, when it comes to a certain program, when do you say when? That's a good point. That's a good question, Paul, because, you know, uh, that's something that, you know, we, we uh, you know, I guess we just, we worry about a lot, don't, don't you? Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in every part of life. But especially when we're sitting here and we're talking about um, when we're talking about ministry and programs, I mean, 
first of all, Paul, you got a lot of people with a lot of different personalities and a lot of different opinions. And so you, you try to, you know, you're trying to make a decision. What's the best program? When do I cut a program? Then also you deal with financially is involved with it because, um, when you get financially involved with it, then you know how it is working with the church. People care about where that money goes, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And so I think it's a I think it's a vital question, Paul, to talk about um, when you're looking at these programs and and uh, figuring out what's the best way to go with it. Let me ask you this: What did um what what did you um when you, when you pick a program? What how do you start? Well, you, you actually hit the nail on the head there when you talk about money, because I think before you can set up your program at all, you need to know what your budget is. You need to, you need to know where the money's going, and um, also you need to consider not just your budget, your your uh, youth group budget or ministry budget, um, but but the big question is um, how about the budget for your parents and your teens? You know, how much are they willing to can they spend? Uh, you really need to be cognizant of that. And try not to have too many big, big dollar events throughout the year because that can that can cause a little bit of strife for everybody. So um, that's the first thing I think about is the money that I need to budget for the event, but also how much is going to cost my folks. Yeah, and, and and guys, we want you to understand this too that um, we're not necessarily talking about that everything costs money. Um, right. Yeah, a lot of when we're, when we're talking about this, but when you're looking at doing a doing a program, I mean. That is one of the questions you got to ask. Is this going to cost me? And if it is going to cost me, how much is it going to cost me? Because, you know, Paul, I know that you do this and, and I try to do this, um, is when the, we're using, of course, all the money is the Lord's money, but in particular when you're looking at church work, you know, you want to make sure you use it wisely. Uh-huh. And oh, you're not just, you know, you're not just uh, taking things and just, you know, spending wildly and then, you know, I think the Lord wants us to take care of our money. I think he wants us to have faith and live by it. But I think he also, you know, he also wants us to take care of things. And so I think you're right that money does come in into play. Let me ask you, when you look for for uh, programs, do you spend time looking at what other churches are doing or what the experts say or or, or things like that? Where, where Now, we understand money, but beyond the money thing now is what – what what is probably your next line of defense when you're choosing a um, program? Um, my next line of defense, um, and as far as the point of that, it's probably going to be well, not probably, but really, but this probably should be number one. Money should be probably number two. Number one really should be what is the biblical advantage of this program? You know, okay. if you're if you're doing something and it does not involve reading scripture, praying sharing a message from God's Word, or uplifting people through God's Word, if none of that is in there, uh, go ahead and scrap it because that's not going to work. That's not a church work kind of program. You need to make sure that Jesus is entwined in the DNA of everything that you do. To be absolutely. Absolutely, Paul. Hey, you know, sometimes we end up doing things, and, and you know, maybe there are just things that we do that, you know, for – for, um, you know, whether it's just an event, maybe it's going to a movie, and there may not be a a big outcome with it. But when you're talking about a program and evaluating what you're doing, you have to really consider, is, am I being biblical with what I'm doing? And if I'm not, I need to get rid of it. Yeah, absolutely. And everything absolutely. with that. Um, how do you feel about 
you know, I know you and I, we, we do things and we look at what other people do because, I mean, we have to look at what other people do, you know, to kind of get an idea about, um, you know, we don't definitely don't want to do something that doesn't work. But how do you feel about looking at other churches? How much does their um, uh, their their uh, positive outcomes of their program play into what you do in choosing things? I think it has to have a lot to do with it. Um, uh, I look at some of the things like Andrew Jenkins, a good friend of ours. Um, uh, he's he's one of the most creative youth ministers I know, and um, mm-hmm. and he always does great things, some great ideas, and so. Uh, of course, you know, and we get to talk quite a bit. So, you know, we, we share. Of course, we share with the, um, the AMAP and the Adventures in Ministry, not to plug things over much on the show, but it really is. When we have good ideas, that's where we go with them. Um, that's the, the home, the hub for, for creative ideas. But aside from that, um, you know, occasionally I'll go to the random um, conference of those who are writing these books we're reading. And, mm-hmm. and um and and sharing these books that we're teaching, you know, even in our classes at Faulkner, of course you have to sift through some of it to make sure that it's not going to sound. But um, you know, I looked at what Doug Fields is doing. Doug Fields um got his PhD from Fuller, I believe, and um and has written so many books and has had so much experience in working with, with um students and teenagers. And um I wanna see what he's got, what he does. Um uh, uh, and, and so there's many more like him, um, Reggie Joyner, um, who is, and I'm not, I'm not pushing these programs, but he is the the the, the curriculum brain behind uh, the Orange program, which is the, um, uh, I believe it's the yellow of the church and the red, the family, you bring it together, it's orange. Um, it's just, uh, it's kind of neat. The concepts are really cool. And so mm-hmm. I think what you need to do is, is it, it, you know, you got the internet, surf it. Uh, dym.com. I, I, I know I'm, 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 I'm not promoting, but I'm, I'm mentioning things that are not really of our brotherhood. But I'm telling you, um, the, the folks with the more open mind about things seem to have some really great ideas. I'm not asking you to follow their doctrine. Uh, I want you to follow the Bible, but follow their concepts, right. follow their ideas, because they work, and people gravitate towards them. Well, I think, Paul, kind of what you're hitting on is something that I think in, in any business, this is in, in business, this is in church work, whatever you want to call it, is no use rewriting the book or retrying something. If th- some things are working, it is good to look at and kind of see how uh, a business did it, how a church did it, of course, what we're talking about, how a youth ministry did it, um, to – to kind of see, will that fit with my program? Now, look, every program that's successful may not be a fit for your local congregation because right. each each thing that works is also different upon personality, different makeups of your church, and and, and even culturally to where you're at um, in that area. And so, but I do think, you know, there's no use, you know, learning how to make the card again or or build the, you know, make the will or reinvent the will because it's already there and let's use these things and take from it. There are some of the things that you mentioned, Paul, there are so many things, whether in a book, online, um, to be able to get these resources. I mean, take, for instance, Adventures in Ministries that, that sponsors our show here, Paul. It's free. There are things that are out there, and I will say there's absolutely no excuse for people's ministries to kind of be 
lag, uh, lagging behind, I guess is, is what I'm saying, because there are, is so many resources. But I would caution people, and I will say this, is look, just because, and, and I guess not to get discouraged too, just because it may not, um, it may work someplace does not necessarily mean it's going to work someplace else and or work at your place. Absolutely. So, um, so we've talked about the uh, the Bible needs to be a priority. The budget is, is a neat thing. Looks like we're alliterating here. I'm picking the um, our kink in it, but uh, but I think another um, aspect of of, of um, programs and what you need to look at is: Are we reaching our target audience? Absolutely. Um, are we reaching the people? If you're not reaching them, then it's time to scrap and do something different. Absolutely, Paul. Uh, and that's probably where we come down into, and that's part of the second half of this discussion here is, is it working? There are so many times that you and I have seen a program, whether it's been a big program or a little program, local church, uh, youth rally, whatever it may be, that for some odd reason, it it used to work. Mm-hmm. And 10 years later, it's not working. It doesn't mean it's bad. It doesn't mean that the people are bad. But it's just with changing times, things have changed, and because of that, it may not be working anymore. And sometimes we just spin our wheels like we're in quicksand, and we're not really making it anywhere because of what you just said. Are we reaching the people? Absolutely. Now, now here's the question. Who's your audience? All right. As a youth minister, um, or as any minister, these are three categories, I think, three categories of who your audience is, okay? Obviously, number one is Christians. Uh, I minister to third grade through 12th grade. That's that's my job description, okay? I mm-hmm. interact with college students a lot, obviously, you know, on campus, and I enjoy that, but what I do is my job here at the church is third grade through 12th grade. So in that group, I'm going to have people who are Christians, people who have obeyed the gospel and baptized um, into Christ, okay? The other... Other um, group of three is the, the non-Christians. Obviously, you've got Christians, you've got non-Christians. I have kids in my youth group that have not obeyed the gospel yet. It may be because they're too young. It may be because maybe they're not asking the questions yet. Maybe they're not right to that point yet. Uh, maybe there's something they're waiting on. Okay? But regardless, they're coming. They're here. They just haven't yet obeyed the gospel. And the other part is what I'm going to call the unchurched. I'm, I mean no disrespect. But, but those who really don't have a church home, um, or maybe those who are following a particular doctrine that doesn't isn't in line with the New Testament um, pattern that Jesus has set before us. So I put them in that category. So you need to ask yourself when you're teaching a class: um, Are your kids who obey the gospel are they clicking with it? Do they get it? The the the, the kids that that aren't Christians yet are they paying attention? Are they locked in? And then their friends, the people they bring in that may not be a part of the body of Christ. You know, are they? Do you get repeat visitors? Um, a visitor is great and we love them, but once they show up twice, that kind of tells you something. Number one, they're either really close to someone they're bringing or something's attracting them to that room, or it ha- or maybe it, it may happen to be the, the, the topic you're teaching or, or the interaction that you're providing, you know. Um, so I think that's something to consider as well. So so those are the three groups I think you need to look at when you're talking about who you're going to, um, you know, try to bring in. Absolutely, Paul. And and honestly, that's where we need to understand this. When Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples, he didn't say, how Mm -hmm. you go into the world and make disciples. 
Exactly. And and everything is different compared depending upon where you're at, the group of people you're working with. You know as well as I do, you're going to do things with third graders that you're going to do different with twelfth graders, and you're going to do different with people who are seven years old in the pew. That's just uh-huh. kind of how our makeup is of things. Uh-huh. And so when we're looking at these things and we're trying to figure out what we're doing, if we're not even attempting to reach something, and basically we're just putting something down on paper just to put something down on paper, then we need to cut it. We need to go back and we really need to look at and cut what we're doing. Now, I I will say this, Paul, and and I learned a lot. You know, we were talking about different um, places and different things where to look for. A few years ago, there was a a um, workshop at the Southeastern Christian Church up in Louisville, Kentucky that took place, and, and they invited, you know, a lot of um, churches of Christ to come to it because they were talking about different things. And one of the things that came out of the, that conference was, I, I still remember um, preachers who were coming back telling us some of the things that were said, was that they will have a program, whether it's a class, whether it's a program, whatever it is, they will look at it and they will evaluate it about a couple of weeks into it, and if they realize something's not working right, they'll stop it. Not necessarily that they're going to abandon it, but they may stop it and say, okay, we've got to rework this. Something's not right. Something's not doing right because we're not reaching people. They will legitimately stop it and replace it with something, at least, say, like for a class, to get through on some things and try to rework it and bring it back because they're not interested in wasting time and doing something and spinning their wheels for something that may not work. And so my question I got back to you is, Paul, how long do you wait? How long do you try a program or try a class? How long is your evaluation process in this? Well, if it's a class, um, to be honest, I usually don't. I mean, because if I'm not, if it's not clicking in a class, I don't look more towards the material. I look more towards my delivery, and I may switch things right. up a little bit. So, right. you know what I'm saying? So I may call it audible, but I may not just kill it because um, the moment in which you kill something that quick, I'm afraid you lose a little bit of credibility. Um, now, I say that as a 20-year-old youth minister. I'm like 20 years into it. I'm not 20 years old. So that was cool. Uh, but mm-hmm. um, 20 years in ministry, at this point, if I don't <laughs> figure it out by now, <laughs> I'm never going to. So, um, but but there are some programs. I'll go. Um, uh, if I'm not getting the attendance at a certain thing, and let me say this: it's not all about the numbers. If you have three or thirty, it may be discouraging. But but those three, um, you need to make it worth it for those three, okay? Because what they're going to do is they're going to say, you know, there could have been a bunch, but there were just three, and and Paul spent special time and quality time with us and, and didn't just cancel it just because there weren't enough. So so that's mm-hmm. something I think is a real big aspect of what we're talking about here that we need to continue. And I know we're, we're carrying on the topic, but I think it's something to consider. But yeah, I think if something is not going like you want it to, I think you call an audible. I don't think you necessarily just kill it. Um, but I think you call an audible and do what you can to sort of twist it and change it and kind of make it a little more conducive to, to the, the audience at that time. But, but that being said, you know, um, another aspect of, of evaluating program is um, kind of what you're talking about. Are, are we meeting the outcomes? Um, are, now, now, what kind of outcomes do you want? How do you know that, that they're getting it? Or how do you know they're not getting it? What are some, some things you think about or some flags you look for? 
Well, Paul, I, I think you just nailed something that I'm not sure a lot of us do, um, especially when we're younger, starting in, in ministry. And, and it's only really now that I've been older and I've been even working at Faulkner of looking at some of the things that we do is is because, um, you know, there's certain requirements with SACs and things that forces us to assess things. Do we even start programs out with goals in mind? You know, do what? What are our goals? Are we just starting a program to start a program, or do we have goals in mind? And I, and I really think that maybe something we struggle with is is maybe kind of having an, a hypothesis of okay, here's where I think these goals are, here's what I think we can do, and then coming back and assessing it. But I do think there are some red flags on certain things, Paul. That yes, I agree that that size isn't necessarily a thing. You know, and it doesn't matter if it's three or thirty, and those no can be discouraging. But I do think if you have a youth group, say, say your size of about sixty kids in there, if you're only getting a fraction of them, you know, if you're only getting a handful of them, well, it would behoove you to sit back and say, oh, okay, I'm not saying this program is bad, but for some odd reason, whatever it is, it doesn't work for this group. And I think there are some things like that. I think there are some things if if it is causing people to, whether it's lose faith or whose faith is um, not growing because of it, I think that's a red flag. Mm, because okay. I, I think even with even with subjects like we go and do like Six Flags and things like that, that's still a, a time of fellowship. There's time of growth in that. Yeah. But sure. um, I think those are just a couple of red flags, I guess I would say, off, off the top of my head. What, what are some that you look at or look for? Well, I look for um, interaction between students and teachers. Oh, good. If class is over and kids are still talking about it, or if they come up to the teacher and say, um, because this this will make, this will literally make my week. After class, a kid comes up to me and says, hey, Paul, that was a really good class. Um, um, And I I get that occasionally. You know, I don't get it a lot. And sometimes the kids don't think about that. They come to class. Their parents bring them to church. They go to the classroom. They are in class. That's the class they leave. But um, but I think it's kind of neat when when they actually come up to you and have those interactions. I'll tell you right now, I get home sometimes between nine nine thirty on Wednesday nights. Our class time ends at seven fifteen. Right. Our kids do not want to leave. Okay. Some of them are on their way. I get that. But we have I would say about five to ten that just that hang out and we talk about it after after class is over and. I don't know. I just I think that's the coolest thing in the world when you see that interaction, and it's not always about the topic of class. It can be about some random uh, trip or something go on, or just what's going on uh, at school this week, or or whatever. But but when you when you have a, a program where the kids stay with you and they want to hang out with you even after the, the, your time is up, that that I think is really neat. Um, you know, sharing with one another and caring about one another and playing with one another I think is a big deal. Social media comments. Occasionally, I will see. On Twitter, a kid will will post a quote from class. Yeah, that makes my year. That's awesome. Absolutely, you know? it does. These are some not necessarily flags of a bad class, but these are actually the the good flags. You know, um, the the flags that you look for that could be negative are if a kid is not tuned into what's going on, or or they're actually wanting to do something else during class, or or their attention's not there. Um, and in most cases, it's probably something else in their life, something else going on. And they need that special uh, ministering uh, attention, um, but but um, but yeah, uh, just to see them walking in, connected, and talking about keeping keep the conversation going. I guess that's what I'm talking about, keeping the conversation mm-hmm. going. 
And, and, and Paul, I think you're nailing it dead on. You know, a lot of ministry does not take place in that classroom. And, and if anybody who's, who's listening to this has been in ministry just a little bit of time, you recognize that. It's those little moments. And, and, Paul, and folks, I, I can be honest with you, and I'm not sticking up for Paul here. What he's saying is absolutely true. There are times we finish class 7.15, 7.30, and he'll call me on the way home, and I'm like, what are you doing? I'm just leaving church, and it's between 9.30 and 10 o'clock. And, you know, but that's because that is where a lot of the ministry is going. And that that's some of those things you can look at and be like, oh, okay, we, we're making a difference here. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, last little thing I want to mention here is this, and I know we spent a lot of time on this, uh, but uh, I think uh, another evaluation point, and the final one that I have to discuss today, John, is um, uh, are the leaders, when I say leaders, I mean me as a youth minister, my volunteer helpers, my adults, um, we call them the pit crew, the parental involvement team, but it's really all adults and help. are the leaders fulfilling their responsibility for the program? Uh, now, for this even to apply, a minister has to have spent time um, in requesting, recruiting, and training volunteers. Um, right. So once you have the volunteers, you know, these can be adults. These can be students. I think we talked about that last week. Um, so, so I think that's what we're talking about um, on all of this. But in order for your leaders to be successful, you know, your adults to know what's going on, the kids to be able to lead, take the lead and role in some things, it's my responsibility as a youth minister or the youth worker there um, to communicate a clear and, and positive attitude and actions. You need to let them know how they're to carry themselves around those kids and let them know what their responsibilities with those kids. Because if you don't and you don't communicate it at all, then it's like it's in limbo and nobody has a clue what's going on and you're not going to find success. So I think some clear and present um, instructions must be applied to that. I I completely agree with all of that, and that's I think some of the things that we're mentioning here today so far on on our podcast of, of this ministry thing are things I think that to be honest with you I'm not sure we did, you know you said 20 years for you you know even 15 years ago and and I've been 17 now I mean going to go 18 holy moly, girl. <sighs> that kind of hurt thinking about that, yeah. but but you know it it is. It's one of those things that I guess what we're talking about is we're talking about, you know, things we didn't think about. And maybe it was just even the way society was, we weren't point, pointed toward that. But uh-huh. um, hopefully these are some, some tips that uh, some people can pick up and use in their ministry. Yeah, absolutely. Well, John, what else we got uh, for today? We only got a few minutes well, We've got a few minutes left here, Paul. I mean, uh, you got your new app that's getting ready to be introduced, and you got a name for it, don't you? Yeah, and you can also find it on YouTube, um, the video that will help talk about this app. Uh, man, this is awesome. This is going to take over um, the world. Um, where This is the, um, the Pokemon Go for, for the uh, sports fan, and it is called Drumroll. Fire fan. Fire yeah, fan. Fire fan. It is uh, a free app. Once you get into it, um, you get to answer certain questions, and you, you go head-to-head with friends, um, and, you, you know, you ask questions, and then uh, you answer questions about, 
you know, how many yards will a quarterback throw? How many touchdowns will a team get? You know, even questions up to the minute, like, um, are they going to throw a pass on this next play? And uh, it is fantasy football in action. Uh, you don't have to wait till the weekend's over to find out how you did. You are in the middle of it. You are in the game. Uh, now, this is one game at a time, but uh, you're in the game, and it covers so many sports across the world. And so really, really look at that. Fire Fan is the name of the, the app. Go to the um, your Google store or your um, iTunes store and uh, look that up, and they'll show you and let you know it, it's going to be I'm being released here within the next few days. So, so please, please, please get ready for that. Hey, Paul, that app sounds kind of hot. Yeah. <laughs> it does. Um, I see. I see a lot of John and Paul head to heads on this one. Um, so that, that'll be fun. That'll be fun. Yes, it'll definitely be fun with all that. Well, we got that app coming out and some sports. I mean, there are some pretty good sports going on right now. I mean, we are in the baseball playoffs, even though a certain team that is a couple of hours away, we really haven't talked much about this year because there really wasn't much to talk about this year. Yeah. But uh, there's a pretty good series going on right now in the National League, isn't there? Yeah, Cubs have um, come from behind us. It's tied things up, and um, there's only two games left, really, I think, is where we are. And um, uh, they're heading back to, I believe they're heading back to Chicago. And so um, the Cubs are hot. And, uh, man, well, how awesome would it be if if you can have the Cubbies taking on the Indians? Man, what a rivalry that would be. And, uh, man, I just I wish Harry Carey could see it. Uh, just, it's just uh, hey, it's, uh, the coolest thing. It's about time. That would be awesome. The the goat is this the year that the goat is put to to the grave. That's right. Well, you got to go against Kershaw and Hill, um, two of the aces for the Dodgers. But I tell you, the talent with the bat is on the cut side, and they're yeah. going to have home field, and so. Uh, it, um, they were talking um, this morning on ESPN. Uh, one of the baseball analysts said, this is the Cubs series to lose. They should do this. Um, they're going to face some tough challenges with the pitching, but, but they should be able to – they should be um, victorious. So I really hope so. I hope the Cubs go all the way. Uh, so uh, we'll see how that goes with that. that that'll be your great. Thoughts. Your thoughts I, on, uh, on this and um, the end result, what do you think? Whew. I, yeah, before the series started, I would have said L.A. Um, now of how, you know, looking at everybody and looking at what's being said about the, the Cubs, Chicago, you know, this, this could be your making a run. Right now, I don't know who's going to top in, in the Indians in Cleveland. I mean, I was completely just completely just taken back of what they did, um, especially here to Toronto. I, I was just – of course, Boston got put out in the first round, and which was kind of shocking to go 3-0 to them. But then what they did to Toronto, I'm just – whoo! It's going to be hard, I think, to beat Cleveland. Right now, if I had a choice, if I had a pick, I would say Cleveland is um, – uh, Cleveland's my pick to win the World Series right now. Wow. Okay. That's a good pick. Man, they, they took care of business pretty quickly, that's for sure. That's for sure. Oh. Um, hot. What you what you're scared with though is will they cool down? Will they cool down waiting? That's true. That's true. We'll, we'll see. Uh, it's kind of neat. You got the Indians. I got the Cubs. Let's we'll see what happens, man. I hope the Cubs make it. 
this could be a great week for, for you and I as we look at these things and, oh, absolutely. Uh, and break them down. That'd be awesome. It gives us a little bit of our love for baseball back, you know. Um, the Braves can't do it. Somebody's got to help us here. Uh, yeah. I remember. Go ahead. Considering the, the Braves even have a baseball team anymore. I mean, I know they're moving to a new stadium. Yeah, they're so bad they had to move them out of town. Okay. So um, <laughs> I remember the day that the, the Cubs got lights um, put up in the stadium. I remember that day. Oh, I, I do remember that, too, that first that first night game at Wrigley Field. It was awesome. Um, I have paper clippings. I still have them. I was a huge, huge Cubs fan. I like the Cubs and the Braves because they were the only two teams that could actually play on TV. Now, now uh, everybody gets yes, uh, You so. had CBS and WGN. That's correct. That's right. That's right. Uh, Mark Grace and, and uh, uh, oh, what's his name? Durham played on third base. And of course, Sam yeah, Sosa Ryan came through Sanders. Chicago. Ryan Ryan, oh, my goodness. Rhino was the best. Loved him. Loved him. Um, Leon. Leon Durham. He was a good one, too. Uh, yeah, those were back in the it, days. That was. That was. Um, Bring in tears. So, Exactly. Speaking of hot, that's the, 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 the word of the day. That's John's word of the day, hot. My question is, will Bama remain hot? I, I have to get out here. Let's just start from the beginning. Let's just get, get right to it. Let's just start because we don't have much time left. And I'll let you talk about Florida in a minute. I know we'll only talk about that. But I got to ask, is Tennessee, were they just at the end of their gauntlet and they just couldn't take it anymore? I know their defense was, I wouldn't say decimated, but they did have some injuries, some key injuries. Bama destroyed them. I mean, they did something to them that hasn't happened since, um, let's see, someone told me, what was it? Uh, it's been about 100 years since um, Tennessee has been beaten that bad in Neyland Stadium. Wow. Wow. So is Bama that good, or is Tennessee just that bad that day? Yes. That's what I thought. I think both <laughs> had hands. No, I don't think that's what I thought. I think Alabama is that good, but I think what you've seen with Tennessee, I think college football, you know as well as I do, more than NFL football is a game of It's a game of changing up and down the field. And, okay, look, against Florida, they played like junk, and then Florida shuts down, and they get the momentum, and it's just, uh, a waterfall landslide of momentum and Florida couldn't stop it and Tennessee did it. You take the next week um, with um, was it Texas A&M the next week or Georgia. It was Georgia the next week, I believe, for them. And they should have lost that game. They should have lost that game. There's no way around it. That was lady luck in there. And as we've seen from Georgia, Georgia's not as good as we thought they were going to be at the beginning of the year. And I think Kirby Smart's got some He's got some rebuilding he's going to have to do over the next couple of years for some odd reason with, with things that are taking place there at University of Georgia since they just lost to Vandy. Um, I, it's just, you know, um, that was a luck win. Texas A&M, um, that's the one that's kind of interesting. I think Tennessee is a very good team, but then even though they're behind against Texas A&M and, and Texas A&M comes back and beats them, and then what Bama does to destroy them, I think is really what you see how far Tennessee still has to come. They have a lot of injuries, don't get me wrong, but yeah. I legitimately think Bama is that good. I'm not sure Texas A&M is going to have anything for them 
Um, I think they'll play a tight game. I do think it'll be a good game. I, I still put that Iron Bowl uh, as the game to watch. That's still the game, I think. But um, you're, you're scaring me with that. I, I think Bama. I think Bama is is that good. And the scary part is, we've seen Bama have some really good teams over the years. Potential wise, power wise, this may be. I'm not saying that they are there yet because man, some of those teams are just that good, and you've got a lot of young players here. But I think potential wise, this is. This may be Nick Saban's most powerful potential field team. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, now I know Florida's off this week, um, but um, do you have they anything are. you like share for your Gators? Um, uh, I mean, this can't hurt. This can't hurt uh, Luke Delia. I have no week off. Can't, can't, can't hurt, hurt that. He, you know, he gets a week off. He came back. He looks like he's been off for three weeks and. Defense really stepped up, but Florida is being decimated with injuries, too. Um, we've lost Jared Davis, our star middle linebacker. Um, he's got a severe sprain. That means he won't be back probably. I mean, if we get him back to Florida State, I'll be happy type of thing. Um, we got Georgia next week, which, of course, is going to rely heavily on the run. So that's going to stink having him out of the middle. Um, uh, I think what you got with Florida is what you get with Florida. Right now we're trying to find ways to win, and they are. Um, Florida's got a tough road to try to win out. Uh, Georgia's not as tough as we thought it was going to be, but then you also have Arkansas and LSU to try to get back to Atlanta. And as much as I would love to get back to Atlanta and, and face the Crimson Tide, <laughs> I don't know if I want to face them right now. They are uh, – they are that good right now. Well, let's go to the SEC real quick. Now you got um, South Carolina. <coughs> South Carolina taking on UMass when I'm talking about that. Let's um, see going to Kentucky. That should be an interesting game. Um, they yeah, may be the two worst teams in SEC right now. <laughs> I mean, Mississippi State, what happened? I mean, was Dak. Prescott that much of everything? I think we're seeing that he is. <laughs> what he's doing in Dallas. I agree. I agree. I wrong with that. <laughs> Can I tell you something? I'll stop for a second. Let me say this. I have never been a very big Cowboys fan. But right now, I don't like seeing him do well. I'm just happy for Dak. I really am. I am too. Because everybody criticizes quarterbacks like that. And rightfully so. Because they haven't necessarily done a lot in the NFL. But, man, I think he's a good kid. And I enjoy watching him play and with the heart mm-hmm. he plays with. He is really good. Um, so you got Mississippi State and uh, Kentucky. It's whatever. Vanderbilt's playing um, Tennessee State. Uh, let's see. Mizzou, uh, Middle Tennessee. But Mississippi goes to Baton Rouge. Mm. Um, that should be a good one. What do you think there? I think this will be the first game that we really – you know, the last couple of weeks, it's all been all the hype off of, you know, Orgeron being in there. I, I think this is going to be the first real test for him to really kind of see what what LSU has. Um, and, boy, is there another team that has come so close to winning the last two years and just can't get out of their own way more than Mississippi? I know. I know. Well, I might. LSU's at home. 
and they're six and a half point um, favorites on this. Woo! Uh, they probably got that right, don't you think? I think that's a little high. Do you really? I you don't give LSU a touchdown difference by being home? No. I, wow. I think they've been playing off of the quarterback. I do like him. But I think the quarterback situation is that much of a mess at LSU. And, I mean, I, I mean, it's just a roll of the dice that you get out there. And I think they've been playing off of emotion and everything, which, of course, that's what we just said about college football. But, man, not six and a half points. Not, I mean, I Darryl. think he looks good. That quarterback for LSU now, he looks, he looks sharp. At times. But there are some things I've been, I watched him last week, and I was like, what in the world are you thinking? <clears throat> But that's the beauty of Fournette's being back. And I guess that's why it's another reason why I'm socked at six and a half. Maybe a four, maybe a four and a half, mm. something like that, but not okay. a six and a half. Because I think it's going to be, uh, I think he's, they're going to run the ball and try to keep the ball out of Chad Kelly's hands. It's going to be a low scoring game and, and maybe like a three point game type of thing. Let's go north a little bit and uh, go the Plains as Auburn takes on uh, Arkansas Razorbacks. Um, uh, the, the Razorbacks are a 10-point dog coming into the Plains. Um, Auburn has had a solid defense most of the year, and their offense is starting to come along. They still have Sean White at the helm, at uh, center. And, uh, but um, uh, but uh, Al Austin, man, that quarterback in uh, Arkansas, he's, he's a gamer. They're a player. Um, who do you like there? This will be the game to determine, and let's really see, is Auburn for real? If they are and they beat Arkansas, you will hear me preaching the rest of this year, watch out for the Iron Bowl. This is the game that I'll get to see if it really is real or not. Um, after what I've done with Arkansas. Arkansas did get a score and put up some points, some things. Was you're playing on the plane. Is it a night game? Uh, it's a five o'clock kickoff. It's a five o'clock game, so it'll still be a little bit late uh, if it's in there. Um, I'm not sure about Auburn being a ten point, ten point favorite in that game. I, I, I wouldn't. I mean, I think they're picking high on all these things. Maybe more. Maybe more of that. You know. Uh, six and a half that the LSU was getting. I could see that, but... Um, oh, just wait till I, I tell you the balance spread. <laughs> I wouldn't take... I would not take the points in this game. I would go under. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think Auburn can pull this off. If... Uh, and, and I'm being a homer right now, even though I'm not necessarily an Auburn fan, but I am being a homer for the state of Alabama, um, that this is the one for Auburn to step up. But my gut, I'd be honest with you, I do have to say I think Arkansas is going to beat them. All right. I'm going to say the defense for Auburn stands tall and um, stops um, their, their their passing attack and uh, and the run game. I think they're good against the run. <clears throat> and um, and I, I, I think Auburn does win this game. Um, I think uh, that way is just, just that good. The running game is going to be good against Arkansas. Arkansas has a hard time, had a really hard time stopping the run against Alabama. Um, so I'm going to take Auburn for this. Um, okay. Uh, do I want to take the points? That's the question. Do I want to take the points? I mean, I, honestly, I think it'll be kind of close. So it'll be kind of tough to take. Ten points is a lot. So I would probably say that that, that little, little, um, little too much on that one. 
Uh, last one, SEC, we want to talk about here. Obviously, we started with it. Let's end with it. Uh, Texas A&M comes into Alabama. Uh, you've got those strong defensive ends. I think that um, that uh, uh, Jalen Hurts will have difficulty running around the corners against um, Texas A&M. I think they're going to plug the holes up, up front, and I think they're going to make him throw. So, Jalen, I hope you get your heart ready, buddy, because you're sure going to be needing it that day. Um, the spread is 18. Um, I think – what that tells me, John, that tells me somebody knows something the rest of us don't know. Because, um, honestly, I really do think Tennessee was was, was hit hard um, in a weak place um, from um, – not weak as in they don't say them, but, but weak as in where they were in their schedule. Uh, but I do think Alabama was that good. I think Alabama wins this game, but I don't think there's any way they win this by 18 points. Wow. I would not bet 18 points. Um, of course, I wouldn't have bet anything points against Tennessee either. We see what happened there. That's you're correct. Wow. Wow. Got a two thirty kickoff. Woo, two thirty kickoff. I mean, yeah, Bama's going to win. I think yeah. Bama's going to win. I don't think it's going to be eighteen points. Man, I'm going against all the spread, and I watch me completely show up. Good thing I'm not a gambler and betting all these things. That probably well, we're looking at this. We'll see how you do. We'll see how you do on this. I, I would probably I, – I'd pick it about a 10 to 12-point game. Yeah, I would say 10. Yeah. Yeah. Good call. Okay. Um, final four talk real quick. Uh, I think it's safe to say we probably put somebody like Alabama, Ohio State. The, uh, is Clemson your ACC entry? Yeah, I think right now. I think everything else is falling about. I do think Florida State is playing better right now on defense which will be interesting for the last game of the year when they play Florida. I'm kind of curious about that. But, uh, yeah, Clemson, Clemson's got this hands down now, I think. So, does that put – are you putting UW as number four? Washington? No. I still got your, your Michigan-Ohio State one in there. Well, it's Michigan or Ohio State. You can't have both, right? We're talking about the year. We're not talking right now. If it's a close game between Michigan and Ohio State, do not be surprised if they get both teams in. And it will be. You know what? Do not be surprised if they don't do get both teams in. I hope Bama has to play both of them and, and beat the tar out of them. That would be awesome. That'd be that would man, that would really shut up the Big Ten. That's for sure. Absolutely. But at least they can count to ten. That's good. That's really good. The Big Twelve has a hard time reaching twelve. What's the deal? Are they, are they scared? I don't know. I don't know. That that is that is probably going to be the biggest question in the off season is trying to figure that that mess out. And that's exactly what it is. It's a giant mess. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. I'm gonna do a little shout out here for uh, Ryan Gallagher. His West Virginia um, team is um, undefeated right now, and um, I would love love for them to win the Big 12. That would be awesome for them. We will, we will see for that. Um, who's your husband favorite? Whew. Man, this... Man, the Heisman screwed up this year. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Sure is. Oh, man, I don't know. If, if I had to pick a favorite at this point, 
I don't know, Paul. I mean, you you have to you have to consider Hurts in this and what he's done in leading Alabama. You, I think you do still got to consider Lamar Jackson at Louisville at least a little bit in there. But uh, I mean, who else? I mean, who else has just been uh, Barrett up at Ohio State? Yeah. I mean, maybe. I mean, where do maybe. you lean on? I think it's wide open. They're talking about Lamar Jackson like all the time, but look at the highs. But look at what happens in New York. The person who's winning this, they're playing the Final Four. If Will wasn't the Final Four, I don't think he gets it. Yep. Now I want to say Jalen Hurts. Booker McFarland loves Jalen Hurts and said he should be in the conversation because no one's really entering him in the conversation right now because he's running the same amount of yards that he's throwing. But I, I tell you, after this week, he's either going to have to put him up or shut him up. All right. So um, I think after this week, and look at what's happening here. You have you have Texas A&M, and then who's next? LSU. What LSU next? LSU. Uh, Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. And Auburn. I mean, there's a, there's a cupcake in there somewhere. I mean, he has all these big time prime time games. Bama's playing at two thirty or seven o'clock, you know, on prime time for the rest of the season, basically. Oh, absolutely. He has every opportunity to have his Heisman moment, but he's gonna have to throw the football. You are absolutely correct. And if he can keep going, I'm not saying he will win it, but he'll definitely be invited, I think. Yeah, I'd like to see him invited. I think he will be invited at the very least. Yeah. Uh, Deshaun Watson really hasn't done much yet. I mean, he's doing some stuff, but they just – they're not – they're winning. They don't look good doing it. They yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. They're not the Clemson team we saw last year. And I think, honestly, I think we're seeing a better Bama team this year than we saw last year. I think you're absolutely correct. I think you are absolutely 100% correct, and that's scary. It is. It is. I do hope that Florida and Alabama meet in the championship game. That would be awesome. Yeah. I like the, the nostalgia of it all. But I probably won't make a bet with you this year. <laughs> Come on. There's nothing better than that that that, uh, that Alabama polo you wearing um, in uh, bomb hours. I love that. We need to do that again. That's the absolute worst. <laughs> <laughs> Roll side, my friend. Roll side. Um, uh, yeah. Even though what I'm final a final word there. you got for our folks listening audience today? I hope everybody has a great weekend and everybody stays safe. Watch some good football. Fall is here, even in Montgomery. So uh, I'll be heading to Georgia and uh, here in just a few minutes. And so hope everybody stay safe. All right. For the only podcast with a pregame show, for John Podine, I am Paul Sperlin. We invite you to look forward to and check out the um, Monday Morning Quarterback with John and Paul. Um, you'll find us on Facebook on video. And then, of course, next Friday, as we do the Friday two-minute drill before the podcast, and always the John Paul Show on 10 o'clock a.m. on adventuresinministry.com. Go to the website, download the, the stuff. It's free. It's good stuff. Um, enjoy it. Love it. Live it. God bless.